The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Lord, Jesus said to his disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or ill, or in prison, and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Seems like every time I blink, another Sunday is here, another Sunday homily, uh, ready to preach. And though it doesn't make sense to my brain, the reality is that this is the last weekend of the liturgical year. Uh, the ordinary time, of which we've been used to for some months now, uh, will soon fade. Uh, and this weekend we celebrate the Feast of Christ, the King of the Universe. And next weekend we will celebrate Advent, believe it or not. Uh, and we will have uh, a bit of a, uh, a slightly penitential season, a penitential joy, as the church refers to the season of Advent with the violet vestments and the, uh, the lack of the Gloria, but that joyful anticipation of what would soon to come in the Christmas season. But as we draw close to this end of this liturgical year, the church wants to be very clear with us. In the last few weekends, we've heard a lot about the last things of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. The various parables and the invitation for us to be prepared uh, and to look forward to the day of the Lord's coming. And today is no different. Today, the last Sunday of ordinary time, we established as the Feast of Christ, the King of the Universe. Which kind of sounds like we have something to prove. I mean, Christ the King is enough, and then Christ the King of all creation is 
is a, a proper title, as we'll hear another prayer of the liturgy refer to him. But Christ, the King of the Universe, it sounds like you're kind of going over and above. You know, again, you're just trying to, to prove that Jesus is that awesome, uh, which is not really necessary. He is by his very nature. But also it's a recognition of the reality of who Christ truly is. That to bestow upon him the title Christ, the King of the Universe, is not just a nice pious thought or a you know, pious reference or something to kind of make us feel better about things. Rather, it's the reality. And the scriptures that we read show us that. That when Christ comes, all the angels come with him. That in the name of Jesus, every knee bends in heaven, on earth, and those under the earth. And ultimately, on the last day, all nations, all people will come before him as their judge. Indeed, Christ is not just king of a certain portion of people or a certain portion of the world. He is the king of all the universe, of all created things. Even the created world itself, the scriptures remind us, looks forward to the day of the second coming of Christ. So as we reflect upon this great reality of our Lord's dominion and kingship as authority over all things, the most important thing the church always reminds us in this last weekend of the year is, is he the king of our life? Do we permit him to be our good shepherd? Or do we still try to make our own way, to go our own way, to do our own things? Simply put, do we allow Christ to change our daily life? Not just the big picture types of things, but the daily stuff. How easy it is for us to chalk things up as to our personality or, you know, that's who I am. When ultimately, it's just, that's how I like to sin and I don't really want to change it. Are we allowing Christ to really change our life? In the gospel that we just heard, our Lord, he speaks of the last day and the separation of the judgment. That they have those on the right and those on the left. Take note. There is no middle ground. There's not a nice comfortable space where we can kind of be Christian and kind of still live our life as we like. You're either on or you're off. Period. There's no dimmer switch in the spiritual life. And so it's for us to choose. By the choice of their own actions and their own lives, those who are separated among the sheep and the goats, both of them are surprised. In the story that Jesus tells the disciples, both of them are confused. When did we see you and feed you and do these things for you? Or when did we see you and not do these things for you? Both are equally surprised. But such is not the case for us. It cannot be the case. When Christ was teaching his disciples then, he was unveiling to them something new or at least couched in a new way. There was always the recognition that to love God and to love neighbor were the two greatest commands of the law. But Christ was showing the people that there was a much closer correlation between the two of them than many would like to think. That to love neighbor is to show the love of God. And to fail to do so is the same. A very clear thing that Jesus teaches. And he's taught us as well. The simple fact is that none of us can claim ignorance at this point. At least, not in a legitimate manner, mostly. 
Because we have the teachings of Jesus. We have the Gospels literally at our fingertips. As often as we pick up our phone, we have access to the Internet. And the Scriptures are easily there. We have no way to say that we didn't know the things that the Lord expected of us. Because the reality is for 2,000 years, the church has been passing down to generation to generation the teachings of Christ. She's shown us that in flesh and blood in the lives of the saints. To be able to show us what it is to allow Christ to reign over our lives. And not only that, Christ gives us the sacraments to allow the grace to change our hearts unlike they had before him. Before the life of Christ, before his death and resurrection, the world didn't have the grace that comes in such abundance through the sacraments as we do. So for them in their time, there could have been a sort of ignorance. But for us today, there is knowledge. And to whom much is given, much is expected. But it's not to be a fearful thing. Indeed, it's a joyful thing. Because the reality is Christ doesn't just demand much of us and then just kind of leave us on our own. He supports us all along the way. If we imagine that our last judgment, our final judgment before our Lord is an exam... We have a great teacher to provide us with the guidance and preparation for that day. All of us have taken exams before. Maybe it was an exam in school. Maybe it was to get a driver's license or a hunter's license or any number of things. Maybe connected with our job that we had to be sufficiently educated in to be able to pass, to do these things. And the reality is every exam that we take in this world, we study as best as we can. Sometimes our teacher is a little nice and gives us hints about what to do, what to study, where to look. Sometimes the teacher in the midst of class will say, this will be on the exam. Take note, little stars, right? But ultimately, whenever it comes down to it, the majority of our exams that we take in the course of this life are a bit of a gamble. We study what we think is important. We study the things that we, you know, we, we think we took our notes down correctly and all this sort of thing. But inevitably, every one of us has gotten into an exam where you look at the question and you go, Oh, I didn't think that was important. Or, I didn't think that would be on the exam and I didn't study that part very well. Or, it's asking the question in a way that I didn't think about it before, so I'm not really sure which answer I'm supposed to give at this point. And that's the thing is that every one of us at some point has made less than 100% on an exam. But with Christ, he doesn't want that for us. For Christ, it's as if he comes to us and he says the exam is going to happen off in the future. I won't tell you the date, but it's happening. Here's the exam itself. Here's exactly what I'm going to test you on. Word for word. And over and above that, here's the answer key. <laughs> and I'll give you extra time to study while you're at it. And since I'm generous, I'll give you over and abundance. I'll give you some extra help. I'll give you the special gift so that your brain can memorize and soak in all of the things that will be t- on the exam. So that you can memorize them as perfectly as possible. And whenever I judge, it will be merciful. And that's our final judgment. Because Christ has come to us. He's given us the exam. He's given us the answers. He gives us time to be able to live the course of our life. He gives us the sacraments to be able to strengthen us, to conform our hearts to his. 
and is infinitely merciful with us. As often as we may fall short in the course of our days, we go to reconciliation, receive his mercy and forgiveness here and now, and are strengthened to try again. As often as we must, to continue to turn back to Christ. And so the invitation for us is to prepare well, to study well, namely, to allow our hearts to become like that of Christ. So that in living as Christ, we can love as Christ. That we can love others as Jesus loved them, and in doing so, we can love God as God loves us. So it's a wonderful thing for us, indeed, to prepare well. At this point, it would be easy for me, and it's my natural inclination, to become an activist. I'm all about doing things. Anyone who knows me knows that I love checklists, I love to-do lists, I love task lists, anything that I can check off, scratch off, mark off, anything under the sun to show that I've done something, it gives me a little buzz. But the problem is, quite often that also happens in my spiritual life. As I come to the Lord and I want to do things. I want to do this prayer set. I want to, 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 to read this spiritual book, to do this, to do this, to do this. And all the time the Lord's going, <laughs> you know, you can, just, you can just calm down a little bit. <laughs> you know, Mary chose the better part. Stop, stop being Martha, Brent. <laughs> stop being busy about so many things and just come and sit. Just be here. And so while I would typically encourage doing something today, as we come to this last day of the year, we do the most important things, which is simply to be with Christ. To be with Him. To love and to be loved. To that end, I'd like to offer once again, as I've done in the past, the prayer of consecration to the world, or of the world, to the heart of Jesus. That is... Uh, a great prayer encouraged for this feast of Christ the King. It's an indulgence prayer of the church. Um, and it's a wonderful opportunity for us to simply turn to the Lord, to offer a prayer, and to rest. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it, though I can try so many things, that you can try so many things, there's only one person that can actually change our hearts, and it's not ourselves. <laughs> it's Christ. Christ. And so we pause and offer this prayer and invite you to simply allow your hearts to be quieted. If your eyes, if you want to close your eyes, by all means, you're welcome to do so. And allow the words that are spoken here to echo within your heart that they might arise into your soul as if spoken from your own heart to the heart of Jesus. Most sweet Jesus. Redeemer of the human race, look down upon us, humbly prostrate before you. We are yours, and yours we wish to be. But to be more surely united with you, behold, each one of us freely consecrates himself today to your most sacred heart. Many indeed have never known you. Many too, despising your precepts, have rejected you. Have mercy on them all, most merciful Jesus and draw them to your sacred heart. Be king, O Lord, not only of the faithful who have never forsaken you, but also of the prodigal children who have abandoned you. Grant that they may quickly return to their father's house, lest they die of wretchedness and hunger. 
Be king of those who are deceived by erroneous opinions, or whom discord keeps aloof, and call them back to the harbor of truth and the unity of faith, so that soon there may be but one flock and one shepherd. And grant, O Lord, to your church assurance of freedom and immunity from harm. Give tranquility of order to all nations. Make the earth resound from pole to pole with one cry. Praise to the divine heart that wrought our salvation. To it be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.